we're told that it's non-hormonal because it's copper, right? It doesn't give off any hormones technically. Like a hormonal IUD gives off progestin, which is a synthetic version of progesterone. Um, and that's how it's preventing ovulation uh, partially, depending on the one that you have, and pregnancy. But with a copper IUD, it's just copper. The main concern there, if you, and I'm, I know you've had Lauren on here, you guys have talked about minerals before, uh, copper is an important mineral, but if it gets out of balance or if we have like biounavailable copper, like too much excess copper, then it actually can impact your hormones like estrogen and make that, you know, so that you have lots of estrogen dominant symptoms. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and Saturated, creator of pro-metabolic food supplements and seriously saturated uh, skincare. And today I've got um, Amanda back on the podcast. So Hormone Healing RD, that's right, isn't it, on Instagram. Yeah, make sure I get it right. Um, and she has been on the pod. You've only been on once or you've been on twice? Is this your second time? This is my second time. Second time, yeah. And the first time we covered um, just talking all about hormonal contraception because I get a lot of uh, questions from women you know, about hormonal contraception. I myself took the pill for many years, wasn't really educated on the effect it had on my body. So go back and listen to that podcast. It's so great. Um, Amanda's, are you ha- how much time have you had off? Got a baby? Just maybe just, update the audience on what you've been going on. Yeah, so I think I was pregnant the last time I was on, I'm pretty sure. And then, yeah, I had a baby. I took like three months off. It was amazing. And I've just been like getting back in, figuring out anyone that's a mom knows, just like processing what it means now, how your life has changed and just getting into a new routine. And then as soon as we do, my daughter changes and then we need a new routine. So uh, it's been crazy, but amazing and super fun. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the copper ID because we did do hormonal contraceptives. So we covered the pill. We talked about hormonal IUD and the copper ID is like a whole different beast because a lot of people think it doesn't impact their hormones because it's non-hormonal, but it does. Yeah. So we learned <laughs> Good. You actually did a, this is what sort of triggered me to get you back on is you did a really good post on it. And I thought I'll often get asked questions about it because people think it's a safer uh, option. And I thought it'd just be great to get you on because you've been doing a bit of research and talk through it and just, you know, help educate women further so then they can make an informed decision about um, to get it. So um, what is the copper IED first? What is it? Yeah, so it's actually one of the first IUDs. Like, I remember I had it for a while, and I was like, oh, it's this new IUD. It's not new at all. Uh, they Regular non-hormonal IUDs have actually been around for a while, and that's how they started. Uh, they didn't add copper until they learned that copper could technically affect fertility and make it even more effective. So that's, like, why they added that copper uh, coil onto the IUD, but it just gets inserted into your uterus. It's like a plastic device, but it has like, it's like wrapped in copper. And so that's how the copper ions are given off. And it's funny because it we don't actually totally know exactly how the copper IUD works, which I'm like, is that a good thing? Um, but it, it has like a few different things that we know that it does that most likely is how it makes it. So it's super effective. It's the most effective form of birth control. Um, so it's even more effective than the pill and everything and you can't mess it up right because a lot of birth control is like 
it's effective with perfect use. You know, if you take you it every day, yeah. yeah. So you can't forget it. You insert it. Technically, you can keep it in for up to ten years, but we can talk about like what's safe and what's not based on the research. Um, but it creates this inflammatory environment in your uterus, and that's why some women will experience more pain with their periods, heavier periods once they have it. But that inflammatory environment in and of itself impacts how the egg can, if it can be fertilized or not. Um, and if it's going to embed all that kind of thing, but then it also can affect your cervical mucus, which I'm assuming a lot of you probably know that your cervical mucus is really what turns sperm into like a superhero and allows it to do its job in the first place. So if your cervical mucus is impacted, then that will definitely make it so that the sperm can't work as well. That's, that's how one of the ways that the hormonal IED works. So that's like one similarity that they have going on, um, and then the actual copper ions that given off, those are supposed to like kill sperm and make it so that they they don't work as effectively or immobilize the sperm, I should say, not kill sperm, but make it so they can't mobilize as well and do their job. So we know that there's a few different ways that it's likely working, um, but there's a lot of controversy around it, especially I feel like in the wellness space, like if you are, you know, into like really holistic things, it's we're told that it's non-hormonal because it's copper, right? It doesn't give off any hormones technically. Like a hormonal IUD gives off progestin, which is a synthetic version of progesterone. Um, and that's how it's preventing ovulation, uh, partially, depending on the one that you have, and pregnancy. But with a copper IUD, it's just copper. The main concern there, if you, and I'm, I know you've had Lauren on here, you guys have talked about minerals before, uh, copper is an important mineral, but if it gets out of balance or if we have like biounavailable copper, like too much excess copper, then it actually can impact your hormones like estrogen and make that, you know, so that you have lots of estrogen dominant symptoms. And so it's not technically directly hormonal. So they call it a non-hormonal birth control. Uh, and I think that's the tricky part. And I totally understand anyone that's like, what? I got the copper IUD because... I thought it was a good non-hormonal option. That's exactly what I did. And then it made me so estrogen dominant and I was extremely thrown off because I'm like, I thought this was non-hormonal. And then that's like what really got me into minerals like in the first place. So you still ovulate, right? When you've got the copper IUD. You do. Yeah. And you have a regular cycle. The only thing is like when you first get it in, they do say that like you can spot, which is considered totally normal. A lot of people get it inserted in spot for like a month. Some people are totally fine. Um, and I have a lot of people when I did post about this that were like, it's fine. Like, stop, you know, making it sound like it's bad. They were like very upset. But I think it's important that it's like, okay, well, that's some, that's one majority. But I cannot even tell you how many women I've sp spoken to in my life and then I've reached out to me, especially after I did a podcast episode on it that have really, really struggled with their health since getting the copper IUD. So if you fall into the camp that's had no issues, that's so amazing for you. And I don't necessarily think you need to get it taken out, but definitely listen to everything that we're going to go through as far as like how it can impact, impact inflammation and stuff. And then you can, you know, see what's the best choice for you down the road. Do you know what I think too? It's like, and I've, I've just learned this from tracking my own cycle over the years is, you know, when you don't have use any birth control, like it just shows you so much about teaches yeah. you so much about your body and your health so like um whenever like I feel like for me when I'm stressed the two things that are affected is my sleep and then my cycle so like yeah. I'll short lose your phase 
Um, you know, if I don't eat enough food, that'll shorten too. So sometimes I'll ovulate early, you know, and mm. at the, like, it's just, there's so many, you just, you know, like it just teaches you so much, I think. So if you've got something like that in, you're not, it's hard to learn about your body and your cycle and what it's telling you about your health, I think. And cervical mucus. I mean, I yeah. remember it like really, really changed my cervical mucus. And I was like, is something like wrong, you know, and you can, there is like an increase, a small increased risk for like yeast infections, UTIs and that sort of NBV, um, bacterial vaginosis with any IUD, but including the copper IUD. I just see it a lot more with the copper IUD. And I think it's because it's creating an inflammatory environment in your uterus. The hormonal IUD does not do that. So it's kind of like, you know, it, there's like so many pros and cons, but I think the copper IUD, especially it's like, I look at your cycle as like a health marker, you know, especially as women. And it's like, okay, well, if, if all of a sudden you have really painful periods, you can't, that's you, most likely you're attributing that to the IUD if you didn't have them before. So like, then there goes that marker that's and right. like, you know, heavier periods. So it just, you're right. Like it, it just changes like how you can assess your health. And you know what? Sometimes you're at a stage in your life where you're like, I don't want to get pregnant right now. I need something. And this is a better option maybe to you than hormonal birth control. And I think that's totally fine. That's why I switched to it at the time. Um, but I, I think I just wish I knew like what was actually going on in my body and how it was kind of harming my hormone health, especially. I think too, like when, and we talked about this about FAM, so like learning the fertility awareness method, it obviously bit challenging to start with when you're first doing it you're just learning a new skill but after a while it's so easy yeah and I used to really struggle with understanding my cervical mucus and when I talk to a lot of my clients they're like that's like their sticking point they're like but I'm just not sure yeah. I'm like you just have to like can, so for a lot of people that that can feel confusing which is hard because that's when you're avoiding that's like a really really important marker to understand but again, like over time, it just becomes like part of your, like, I, I don't even think about my temperature. Like I just, I mean, I wear the temp drop uh, to bed, but when I used to take it in the morning, it's like, you just roll over, you put it to the wrong, you know, it just becomes like a habit. Like you're not even consciously doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. in the cervical mucus too. And I even noticed like, again, the stress, like if I'm more stressed, not eating enough, less cervical mucus. Yeah. I'm really nourished and eating a lot of food and I'm not stressed. I'd really notice it's mo there's more, yeah. you know, it's just such, it's just, inter it's just interesting. Like you just notice these things about your body. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I think by tracking your cycle and, you know, knowing what's normal for you and what's not normal, like you say, it can be, I mean, you might already, I mean, I already fucking know when I'm stressed, but that just makes yeah. it better. Okay. Come on, kitty. Like just, you know, maybe have a day off or you need to eat a bit more food or whatever, mm -hmm. just to really confirm that. It'll give you the kick up the butt to make the changes. And I think it's just seeing it that way. And, and it depends, like, because a lot of people, like, supporting their hormones, and even if it's not for fertility, like, I mean, fertility can mean a lot of things. I look at fertility as meaning health for women, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, like, when you're eating more and you're less stressed, you have, you can see that you have, like, that nice fertile mucus versus when you're not, it's like you just don't make as much. Yeah. So that's a sign of vitality, hmm. you know? So yeah. it's, I think it can be like a, big eye-opener and I and sometimes that can be frustrating when it's like okay well I have either hormonal maybe someone's on hormonal birth control and they can't track anything because they're just it's like they're not even ovulating you can still track ovulation with the copper IUD definitely um what I notice for a lot of people is that their 
BBPs or their basal body temperatures are lower because they tend to be more estrogen dominant. Again, not everyone, but especially once they've had it in for a couple years. Uh, and it makes sense because there's there's research that shows us that that's when the oxidative stress in the body, that like inflammation really builds and actually is reflected in different markers. So it's not just a lot of like doctors and stuff. They're like, it's only isolated to your uterus, like the copper and everything. I'm like, it's nothing happens in isolation in the body. That's like the worst excuse I've ever heard. Because then there's researchers that have looked into it and they found that after two to three years, they saw increases in liver enzymes, which is like a huge red flag. That shows that that person's liver is working very hard. It's stressed. And then in CRP, which is an inflammatory blood marker, um, and that shows that you're inflamed, like you have like systemic inflammation and then even copper levels. Like if you measure someone's blood copper levels, um, which is not always like the most perfect way to look at things, but there's still like three really good pieces of information. And it, they noted, they said in like their kind of conclusion, the study was like, we, based on what we've learned in this study, we don't think that we don't recommend keeping the IUD in beyond two to three years. And I was like, that's huge because it's, they were told that you can keep it in for up to 10 years. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you've just got to like, cause I, I, when I took the pill, I think I told you this in the last episode, it's like, I just didn't really care about, you know, like I, back then I was just starving myself and drinking excessively and I just didn't really care. Like I said, I cared about my health, but what I really cared about was being skinny and so, you know, I didn't bother to try and research more. I just went, took the pill, listened to what the doctor said and took it, you know? So I think obviously tracking your cycle, it's just, it's harder than just having yeah. something inside you that stops you from falling pregnant. But I don't know, you just have to like, look at the long-term health ramifications, I think. Um, and you know, it's like, I think with what comes to weight loss, like there's always the quick fixes out there, but they come at the, at the expense of what you know, and don't just bury your head in the sand. And, and I get, I know women will listen to this and go, I really don't want to fall pregnant, but you know, you just, I think, I think it's like easier to not fall pregnant if you do fam. Like if you really, if oh one, my gosh, once yeah. you get it down pat, like it is much, it, it's, it's yeah. easier and you really learn your cycle and there's only what, like six days really. Yeah. You- and I mean, when I was being super careful with like when we were not ready to have kids yet. I, I was, I gave myself, it was like a 10 to 12 day window. It was like, okay, we're just going to like be extra careful. Cause if something were to happen right now, like I wouldn't be down for it. Yeah. And it's so, I mean, I think there's different ways and I've had so many conversations with like family members and stuff that come off the pill and I'm like, so, so proud. And they're like terrified cause they're always like, oh my gosh. I'm like, guys, condoms work. I know. I know but they know they're annoying yeah that's that's like but i'm like but here's the thing i just talked to one of my family members about this the other day because she sent me her chart and stuff and she's like i think i ovulated and then i was like she's been really good about her cervical mucus because she's been confused with it and she's got some estrogen imbalances so that can change your cervical mucus you can have more even after you ovulate which is like what like i i'm so confused right if you're brand new you're looking at your chart you're confused but I even said, I was like, listen, if it were me, I'd still just give yourself another three days of condoms and like, you'll survive, he'll survive. 
and then you you can confirm your temp and if the cervical mucus is gone. So it's like, I think there is ways you can be extra careful if you want to be and make it completely foolproof. But technically, yes, like it's six days that you're fertile a month. But I think that's like maybe easier if you have like perfect cervical mucus and no other like hormonal imbalances, but you still can use it. And I think the other thing with FAM, like you said, like it's harder. It takes more effort but you're going to use it in every season of your life. Like I have so many clients that they use, they started using it later in life, like in their mid late thirties. And then eventually they're in their forties and they're like, Oh, I, I noticed I had a really long cycle. They're like, I never would have noticed that before. Yeah. Cause they, if they weren't tracking everything, Oh my, I noticed my body temperature wasn't as good or like my luteal phase was short. And then I'm like, okay, these are some like signs of like perimenopause and we need to like work on addressing these. So it's not like you're never you're going to use it only when you're it's not just for birth control. It's like it's for your whole life, for your female health. And when we don't have any time in our day to even like sit down and really learn about our bodies, like it makes me scared for society. I'm like, okay, we have to like take some time to prioritize that. Yeah, I I think too, like it's made me, you know, when I've had those months where I said like maybe I haven't eaten enough or I've been being stressed and it's just short luteal phase, I don't panic. Cause I'm like, it just reaffirms. I look back and think, all right, we need to like do this and this and I do it and, it, and it's better the next month. Like I don't get to go into this panic and like, cause I know, I know what's happening, yeah. you know? So it's just, I think, yeah, it, it was made me less stressed about things, I think. Yeah. And you just know your body better. I feel like it's such a, it, it's so empowering once you learn it. Yeah. I wish that we were taught about our cycle and like, the different phases and everything at a young age and I have I have some friends that are like work really hard to like get it into schools and stuff which I think is so cool but it's like unfortunately it's not the norm so then when we're older and we're like okay here are options like hormonal birth control the pill which is so normalized that it's like normal to take it you don't even question it and then oh we also have like some non-hormonal it's just the copper ID like that's and then people they think they have no other options and I'm like we do have one um that can actually help you support your hormone health too yeah and would you agree like work with like if you when you're learning it work with a practitioner like work with someone yeah I, if you can and like there's courses now too there's but i learned through books because they didn't even have anything but this was like over 10 years ago so it's like they didn't have anything back then um and i because i learned it i got the copyright and my plan was when i feel confident enough to like get the IUD out and just use fam like I thought it was gonna be like a couple years and then like life gets crazy I graduated and moved all over my husband joined the military we got married like it was just like chaos and I was like I'm not gonna get it out and then finally like I did and I but I had already known it at that point but you and I have people that they're like I got the copper IUD in for like six months while I was learning fam because you're again you're ovulating you can chart your cervical mucus may be different but that's not the end of the world and then they get it removed once they feel like okay I could definitely read my chart and under and my signs and know when I'm fertile um so it's like there's plenty of options Mm, yeah it's so it is really interesting it is. You just learn so much about your body. And what about like if someone is planning to come off the, take it out, sorry, get it taken out, yeah. like what can they do to support their body? So I think a lot about how it impacts your copper levels and inflammation. And those are like the biggest things that you want to consider is like 
if you can support, I mean, supporting, you know, anti-inflammatory foods, supplements, that kind of stuff is really helpful. But I also think if you can do any lab tests, even just knowing like, are my copper levels high? What is my ceruloplasmin? Those two measurements, copper in blood, it's a good measurement. It's not perfect. Um, ideally, it's around 100. And then uh, ceruloplasmin ideally is around 30. So if you say you measure your copper and it's like 150 or 200 when you get your copper ID out, then you know, okay, my copper is a little high. So what can I do to support that? A really big one is vitamin C. So like if you can get whole food vitamin C in through food, if you want to get some sort of like whole food vitamin C powder to get some extra like camu camu powder, you don't want to overdo it because if you take more than 500 milligrams of any type of vitamin C with that high of copper, you could get some copper dumping. But the vitamin C is so helpful for helping to bring that down and making copper more available. A lot of people want to go to zinc when they think of copper imbalance because they're antagonists, right? So we're like, okay, I'm going to take zinc. It actually doesn't help an insane amount when you already have high copper because it's really, zinc is really antagonizing copper in the gut mostly. Um, it's not doing a ton to your other levels. So vitamin C is way more effective, less than 500 milligrams. And then I love taurine. You can mm -hmm. definitely do taurine-rich foods like shellfish. That's like a huge one seafood but uh taurine supplementation is not expensive obviously talk to your doctor please i'm not your doctor um but it's really helpful with making bile and then making it nice like having good texture and making it flow better and we actually get rid of excess copper in our bile so those are like two easy things that you can do to support yourself um and there's no i mean there's I've never had anyone have like side effects of taking taurine it can be calming so I'm like take it at night if you want to chill out or in the afternoon or something um and then it can help with digestion because of how it helps your bile so those are two really easy things and then if you can like test your copper so that you have some idea I don't think it would hurt to take either of those without knowing exactly and then looking like okay do I have really big imbalances like maybe you maybe you get it taken out in like three to four months later i always say give yourself three to four months like ovulate get that progesterone really strong see if you can help balance out that estrogen because it's typically an estrogen dominant state that you're ending up with from the inflammation and from the copper um and it, it, i don't think that the a lot of people are like can the copper id give me copper toxicity i have a very hard time like I because of it, it gives you such a tiny amount of copper it's like micrograms micro it's like 75 micrograms a day it's a tiny amount if you think of how much there's like 12 milligrams of copper in liver you know like it's a very teeny tiny amount of copper I'm like I don't think it's the copper that is causing copper levels to rise I think that it raises your estrogen and estrogen and copper have an affinity for each other so they both go up um and a lot of people that come off the pill and go on the copper IUD already have high copper from the pill, from the synthetic hormones there. And so then it just gets exacerbated. So between the inflammation, the liver enzyme issues and all that stuff, it just throws up that estrogen and copper. So it's so a lot of people, they get it taken out like, I got to focus on my copper. I would say like, yes, copper, but probably mostly estrogen and having very strong ovulation so that you are making enough progesterone to balance it out because it's giving you that anti-inflammatory, anti-stress effect when like high estrogen can be very stressful in the body. So, you know, eating enough, all the things you talk about all the time, those foundations, 
I think we want something like fancy that we should be doing when we get it taken out. But other than like vitamin C and taurine, unless you have lab testing that can show you like you have some other imbalance that needs to be addressed, which sometimes I see high calcium with that high copper. It's like a pretty hum- common pattern to have like on a hair test. Uh, but still, you'd have to address the copper and the basics first because that's what really drives up that calcium. So I think focusing on those things and the foundations and knowing that like your body is in a little bit of a stressful situation right now, like it's trying to rebalance. You just took this inflammatory plastic piece of copper, copper wrapped plastic piece out of it and it needs to like recalibrate. Um, And there's a couple practitioners that work in like the their doulas or they're like fam instructors that I've had conversations with and they're like just the act of having something in your uterus and most women have this have it in for years right mm-hmm. it's like even just having something in your uterus for that long like a foreign object it's like it's stressful so try to go easy on yourself and but pay not. attention to how, yeah and like paying attention to how you're feeling when you get it removed did you feel better pretty like soon after you took it out? Did it take a while or is it quite quick, quickly? Quick, so or? I, it's like, it's very, I felt similar to like how I felt when I got off the pill. Like my, my mental health was like immediately better. That's why I got taken out primarily. Cause I felt like I was going insane. I was like starting to feel depressed. I'm like, what is going on? It was not, it was very out of character for me. I had anxiety. Like it was not my norm. And so I was finally like, I think it's my IUD. My doctor, of course, tells me I'm insane. But then I start researching and I'm like, okay, a ton of people feel this way after having the copper ID for a while. And I had it in for almost seven years. So I got it taken out and mentally I immediately felt better. Like I felt a sense of relief and I felt less inflamed um, for sure. And I saw immediate changes in like cervical mucus and fluids and stuff like that. So like that was great. But my hormones, I mean, it probably took me like three years to fix the estrogen dominance. But also like I didn't really know what I was doing. And I mean, no one was talking about this kind of stuff online at the time, you know. So I was just kind of researching and experimenting. And then one of my mentors was like, you need to do hair testing because your copper is probably through the roof. And while I don't think that it caused copper toxicity, but I think it, you know, inadvertently affected my copper levels. Uh, That's what really got me into the hair testing piece. And I didn't have high copper and I remember being shocked when I had like hidden copper and like a very high calcium level. Um, And that, that really connected with like my, all my symptoms. It really made me feel like seen when I saw my lab test results. And then once I started chipping away with that, it was like slowly but surely I was less inflamed, less estrogen dominant. My estrogen started to finally come down. I mean, it was so, my progesterone was really good. And I think that like saved me from like some symptoms, but it was like my estrogen was so, I just had so much of it. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. I, it is so, I know. I do so many women to come to us and say that same things that, that you, you have at having it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Then it's just so crazy that they don't warn you of any in any of the birth control. Like they just, I know, so it's scary, especially like the pain. Like they're like, oh, you might have a couple painful periods, and then it should normalize. And I was like, okay. And I had experienced painful periods for like pretty much my whole life, even on the pill. So I was like, these people don't even know, you know. Like I already know. And then I had my first period with it, and I was. It was so bad. It slowly got better. And then at the end, it got way worse. 
So that was like another huge relief is like the first time I got my period back after I had it removed, it was like 50% as much pain as when I had the IUD in. And that's something that like, I have so many clients with endometriosis and I've had, I would say at least like five or six of them came to me with copper IUDs and I'm like, what? This is such an inappropriate type of birth control for you to be using given the estrogen concerns, the inflammation in the uterus and the painful periods. Like it's just totally inappropriate. So, but it's, it's hard because they, in their minds, they're like, well, my hormones are already messed up. I don't want a hormonal birth control. So it's hard because you think you're doing the right thing and maybe it is the right thing for you at the time. But, you know, don't settle. If you are in pain, if you feel different since you've gotten copper ID or any other ID or any other form of birth control that you're taking, look up the symptoms or listen to our last podcast episode. I have like blogs and stuff on them too. A lot of things can go back and be correlated to it. And so often like you go to your doctor and you share your concerns and you're dismissed. They're like, that's not a symptom. And then you go and look up you know, on the pamphlet from the company and you're like, all your symptoms are listed as, you know, so you have to advocate for yourself and it can be hard and navigating birth control can feel very difficult and impossible sometimes, you know, and they're coming out with male birth control, but I'm like, the options aren't great for them either. So it's kind of like, I think if you can learn about your cycle, learn fertility awareness. Um, and I, my friend, is Nina been on this podcast? I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like I thought she did, but Nina Boyce, she she um nourished with Nina on Instagram. She has a course and I really like it because it has a fertility track, but it has a birth control track because it is different when you use FAM for birth control. And I feel like people hear fertility awareness and like, I don't want to get pregnant, so I'm not going to use that. Yeah. Um, and it's like you can use it for birth control. I would just be mindful of who you are learning from. Um, and then she has options where like you can go through your chart with her. Like you can do a call with her and go through your chart. So it's like, I do think it's helpful to have at least like a call with a certified SAM practitioner because then like they pull out so many things and they give you these little tidbits that you're like, oh, okay, that makes way more sense. Now I'm going to understand it next cycle um, to just to kind of boost that confidence and make sure you're using it correctly. Just a thought, something, you know, you mentioned before about like women with endometriosis and like PCOS, I think, because I chat to a lot of them too, and they're wanting to try and improve their body composition. And I think they just get to their wits end, you know, they go to doctors and they see all these people and they're so confused about, you know, they're told that they should cut carbohydrates and, you know, like do all these things. And they, some of them say that the, they should take birth control. And one of our clients, um, She's been on the podcast before, Lou. She had, before she joined our program, she had seven ablations. Isn't that oh insane? She had horrendous endometriosis. She said like she'd get her period and it would last like four or five weeks. And she had like shooting pain. Like it yeah. was, someone was stabbing her and I was like, wow, like that is insane. And it was probably took about 12 months and she would get chronic thrush too. Like oh, chronic yep. thrush so bad. And it took her about 12 to 18 months, but no symptoms now, no chronic. That's amazing. I know. But just eating the food, eating enough food, you know, eating all the foods that we talk about, lowering stress, um, it, it still blows my mind how yeah. it, you can improve these things. Like when you improve the system, you know, rather yep. than focusing on one specific symptom. But I can understand how women, you know, probably then they come to you too. They're just like, oh, I don't know what to do. I, I know. Take it... this pill or take this supplement or... 
or it's like, should I do this test or this test? Like we just had one of our one-on-one clients and she's brand new and we did the initial session. She was having some mental health, but lots of fatigue. That was like her biggest thing, like fatigue. And I think that was impacting her mental health. And then like we, we did some very detailed food tracking because it's like sometimes like, you know, she'd worked with a bunch of other practitioners. I was like, you know, she's probably got it down, but let's just do it just in case. And I'm in like, we made a few tweaks and she like messages a few days later and she's like, so my fatigue's gone. You know, like I didn't quite, she signed up for six months. So we're kind of, I mean, there's plenty of other things we can work on, but it was just like, it's crazy. Sometimes you forget, especially when you're so in the weeds with like, I have like lots of complex cases and medical issues that people are dealing with. So sometimes when you get someone like that, you're like, wow, we can't forget about the foundation. You know, like it's oh, still, I feel but like it makes a big difference. Totally. I interviewed a guy, Alex, um, oh, what's his last name? He's a, he's a doctor, a naturopathic doctor, but he specializes in helping cancer, cancer patients. And uh, Craig was chatting to him as well over WhatsApp. He's just the, the nicest guy. I just loved interviewing him on the podcast. And he was telling about all these cancer, like people that he's put into remission with all like the same sort of protocols that we, you know, looking at, he's got these four pillars and, you know, like the nutrition, the stress, the sleep, the sunlight, you know, all those things. Um, and he said, it's just like you, these people come in and they're so sick. But it's years and years and years and you've got to look at these foundations. It's like the, it's not the supplement, this one specific supplement that's going to, I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't take supplements. Like we both take supplements. Yeah. But it's the foundations. And I, it's so funny. Like I even noticed with myself, like I've got a real manic, like pretty of an, like a obsessive personality. And I can get really like this week we've been so busy and I've just sort of like we're sort of testing some new stuff and do, I've been doing heaps of calls and just at night still working later at night on Instagram replying to messages and like the last night before last like does that mean sleeping well because I haven't been allowing my brain to turn off yeah. I still eat the same food still go for my walk you know but it's that build up of stress and I said to Craig yes I was like fuck I had the worst sleep well so I was like that's it I've got to like you know, yeah. just rain it back a little bit. So still getting up, starting at seven. But last night I put my phone in the office at six up here at my desk. Smart. I went downstairs, you know, I just made some dinner and took the dogs for a walk and me and Craig and I chatted. And then I got went upstairs, had a shower, lay in the red light for 15 minutes, did my breathing. And I had such a good sleep last night. I'm like, oh, I feel better again. I'm like. Oh. And you know, it's wild. Some people live like that every day. <laughs> stress chronic stress and they've been doing it their whole lives and it's just like I a lot of people that and then that's when typically like they end up coming to me or any of my colleagues and it's just like they want they feel like oh I've been making these changes with like even making changes with food and stuff um usually it's not it's not enough to support blood sugar consistently you know but they make it they made a ton of changes they're working hard they're, then they feel like they get it. They're like, I really understand the metabolism piece and I'm working so hard at it, but I'm not seeing the results I want. And I'm like, we cannot forget the kind of, you are undoing like decades yes. of just fight or flight. And sometimes your body just really needs, it, it needs rest and it's going to take, like, especially with weight loss and like mm-hmm. body recomposition and stuff. It's like, it's going to take time. Your body has not felt safe for a very long time. And the female physiology, you can't get around it. It has to feel safe in order to have thriving hormones and to feel like it doesn't need to constantly store that energy. So it's, and I think that's like my, one of my big beefs with like any type of like hormonal or non-hormonal birth control, like the copper AUD is because it's like, 
you're at it is a stressor like hormonal birth control is like putting a little bit of synthetic hormones into your body every single day and that does put off a stress response in your brain and you will create more cortisol so it's like it's a low-grade stress but i mean how long are you taking that pill for right and then with something like the copper ied it's creating more inflammation that inflammation is eventually gonna trickle down and impact different things in your body like if you raise estrogen then that impacts your thyroid which will then impact your digestion and that's just like a downward spiral so it's like i don't know it's just one of those things where we i sometimes you can feel like you're doing everything correctly but it's like just looking back and it's like how did we get here you know we don't always need the next diet the next thing sometimes we just need to reflect and think about how we got here in the first place yeah totally and it like takes years and years and years i think and like, you know, you can obviously build stress resilience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but I sort of think, oh, if I kept, had kept going that way for months and months and months, you know, I obviously know now I'm like, I'll push it for a bit and then I'll be like, oh, okay, you've pushed it. Yeah. Hard. Come back. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't take much. It just took, you know, I ate my normal food yesterday, had a really good sleep and I feel fucking amazing today. I'm like, it's just incredible. Good. Sleep. You're like, holy shit. You know, the world, the world is good again. Everything's balanced, you know, like, yes. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to kill myself. You know, I'm so tired. <laughs> All I can think about is like being postpartum and stuff. It's like, the, so I, my daughter sleeps really well for the most part. So I am very, very grateful. But so the nights when she does it and I only get like, like if I get less than seven hours, you just don't want to yeah. be around me. Yeah. And it's like, that was happening consistently for a little bit, but I was still getting like six, six and a half hours of sleep. And I'm talking to my mom friends and they're like, you're getting how much sleep? You know, they're getting like four hours. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, no, but it's like, it makes such in like in your body composition and stuff. And that's why like, I think postpartum, I'm like, until they're a little older and sleeping better. I'm like, it's really hard to expect that you're just in. I think, you know, getting your cycle back and getting progesterone again helps too. But it's like, it's hard to expect that you're just going to lose weight. You know, you even with doing your body, I think yeah. you're at least fucking sleep deprived. Yeah. You know, when you're sleep deprived too, you're hungrier. Mm-hmm. You know, like you feel more hungry, you just, cause you're stressed. And I think, yeah, just it's, I was chatting to my coach about this yesterday, about this guy that he trains and he's like, it's like four to five hours sleep a night every day. And he's like, dude, he's like, oh, but I feel fine. He's like, well, I know you think you feel fine, but that's because you're so used to running like that every day and I think people you know like you know we usually sleep well like I usually yeah. sleep well sometimes, sometimes I don't because I'm th- it's always when I'm thinking about something yeah and if I haven't brain dumped or I'll wake up and like thinking about work or something but when that happens because you're so used to feeling good you're like oh this is terrible yeah it's and terrible. I think that's what yeah. you're saying like uh, some people don't know what it feels like yeah. to feel good so then they're like maybe they're on they have the copper ID and they're like I feel fine yeah. Whatever. So, you know, it's like, and maybe you do, but I'm like, do you know, or just like someone that comes from like that super high stress lifestyle and background. And mm-hmm. they're just like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, how do you know if you need to eat more food? You know, like that sort yeah, of thing. It's like so used to it. Yeah. yeah. So I think too, like back in the day when I was doing all the crazy diets, like I didn't sleep as much as I do now. But mm-hmm. I, was just, I was just like, this is just the norm. Yeah, like this is what I normally feel like. So I didn't really know what it felt like to feel great, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not like you know. I think what, what like it's not like everything's perfect all the time. Like I think people think once you sort of improve your health and maybe get to your body composition goals, you're still going to have shit happen. Like it's not like you have, yeah, everything's perfect. 
But I think you've got that good baseline to go back to when you know you're like, okay, I pushed it a bit too much this month or I need to like, mm-hmm. you know, I've worked a bit too much. Oh, sometimes I find like I really get energized by connecting with people. And if I've worked, yeah. not seen my family or friends, I'm like, but this weekend mm-hmm. we're going out for lunch for my birthday with the girls to this really nice, like, um, it's this restaurant on the marina. And I just am so looking forward to it because I just haven't seen them for a while. And I'm yeah. just so energized by that, even those connections. So, Yeah. As women, that can lower your stress too. There's a, there's research around like women in community and yeah. spending more time in your community and how that helps you. It makes you basically more resilient. So I love that you like notice that. I think that's the hard part is though that like people think that there's an end point and I'm like, there, it's not really like an end destination with your health. It's just learning and growing and creating habits and like sustaining yeah. in a way that makes you feel good. And just knowing, I think when you've pushed it too far, you know, because I really like like we work, we're building our business, yeah. train. I really love to train hard. You know, sometimes I train too hard. You know, I push it too much, you know, but I know mm-hmm. when I push it too much. I'm like, oh, you know, can you just pull it back a little bit? And rest, you know, like, yeah. But yeah, it's just knowing that, I think, too, and then knowing what you what you have to do to just bring yourself back into alignment or that, I don't know, homeostasis or whatever the fuck, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, balance, homeos, the fancy ways. Homeostasis is a fancy way of just saying like balance. Your body wants to be in balance, but it fights and it it will fight to get there. And I think that can be like, you know, the hard part is women because it's like we do live in definitely a very high stress, like masculine world. And like that's I think that's why I like tracking your cycle so much and like fam, because I'm like it, it really shows you that you're not the same every day. It makes sense that you can't show up exactly the same every day. Or maybe you want to do different things on certain days. It's like maybe, you know, you feel super creative around certain times of your cycle. Like I definitely do. And it's like just being a little bit more aware of that or like work projects. Like I'm not going to launch in my Lodeo phase, right? Like I'm going to try not to do that to myself. Um, But I mean, it took me so long to like piece that together, you know, with especially with like work and stuff and like, finding that balance but I just think it adds like another layer of like optimizing your health as a female with knowing like where you are in your cycle can you like pay attention to like how you feel I really like to clean at certain times of my cycle it's like very bizarre um I just turned into like a cleaning maniac so I'm like okay well like that's when I'm gonna like do like the deep clean on the house you know like that sort of thing but it's it's pretty cool like when you've been tracking it for a while and you can start to notice those things about yourself uh but I mean, there's so many rewarding things with fertility awareness. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah. too. Um, and you know, how old are you? You're in you're in your twenties. Thirty two. Thirty two. Oh, I yeah. thought you'd like late twenties, close. Um, <laughs> say you're forty. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm 40, 40, nearly forty two, and we typically work with women in their forties and fifties. And I think mm-hmm. you know, once you learn about your cycle and the value of cycling, and you know, a lot of women say, "Oh, it's so annoying. I've still got my period." I'm like, "Fuck yeah, that's good." I'm like, it's "You want yeah, you want to try and cycle for as long as you can so you can make progesterone. And I think there's you know, so many women going through perimenopause too early um, because they're stressed and they're not under eating and they're not eating enough of the right foods and overtraining. And it, it's quite incredible, actually, you know, how many women we come in with those issues. And once we start getting them to eat consistently, balancing their blood sugar, getting more protein, doing some strength training their hot flushes disappear, their night Oh, that's disappear. so amazing. It is, it is amazing, you know, once yeah. with crazy restrictive diets. Um, it, we've even had women get their cycles back. In their oh, 50s. that's awesome. Yeah. 
they're probably listening thinking, oh, that's annoying, Kitty. But it's awesome if you understand, you know, you want to ovulate. You want to make projections yeah. as long as you can. So it's good. Um, and it is normalized in our society too. Like as soon as, soon as I can't even tell you any clients, it's like they're maybe early 40s and they, they're seeing some cycle irregularities. So they like, and I'm like, let's see if your doctor will do some blood work for us. And they're like, oh, you're just going through menopause. It's normal. I'm like, it's not normal. That's way too early. But the hard part is, too, that it's like a lot of them, they they don't know their moms all had like hysterectomies because it was so normalized then. So like like that's what you did that they don't know when they went through menopause because they had like a total hysterectomy. So they're like, well, I don't know what's normal for, you know, so it, it makes it hard to like gauge like when yeah. would they typically because genetics definitely like play a role, too. Yeah. But I love that. That's amazing. I know so many women that are in like their 40s that are still on the pill. And their doctors like just keep taking it because then you won't you won't have like the awful transition to menopause and like, and then what you take it for the rest of your life that's like so bizarre and then they make them like insulin resistant and it's just awful. And I think too like women and sometimes when I've posted stuff, you could get a bit of negative comments on there. Like I think I did this reel about like oh when I'm fifty I'm going to be strong and eating lots of food and no menopausal symptoms and like people just comment you don't know Kitty you've never been through it you know but I'm like. It's like in a way, like it's empowering to know that you can affect those things. That yeah. you can, you know, it's normal to go. It's, you should go through menopause and have minimal symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so normalized that you know you should get hot sweats and you know like all of the symptoms that come with menopause. So I'm like, when you're healthy, then it, you should just go through it. Like it shouldn't it shouldn't be this crazy transition. But it's like, isn't it empowering to know that you've got some control over that rather than going, oh, I'm fucked, you know. Yeah, I'm going to gain weight. I'm going to yeah. have hot yeah. flashes. Like, yeah. I'm going to, like, constantly. I know it's, I think that that's how, ideally, that's how you look at it. But it's amazing that women can join your program at, like, in the, in the season where they're already experiencing the yeah. symptoms and still see results. Cause I feel like that's kind of the mindset is like, well, this I'm is where I'm at. Like, now. This is it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it, you can still support your health and learn about oh. these things. And, see results it may take longer for some people but it's it's pretty amazing like how powerful it can be it's kind of like how we like say that the thyroid declines you know it's like oh it's normal for your thyroid to decline as you age and for you to make less stomach acid i love that one from doctors i'm like no it's not it's not normal to like have dysfunction in your body as you age that's like a red flag and it's usually because you know, the longer you've been alive, the lo- more stress that you've dealt with. Though even like stress that maybe like you put on yourself, like it's like good stressors, like work stressors, creative projects, having right. babies, moving, yeah. like getting married, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, but then it's like, there's also like plenty of other stressors, like under eating, chronic dieting, yo-yo dieting, so overtraining, like the old so women. That's a big yeah, one. Yeah, yes, yeah. alcohol, yeah. like all those things, especially in like mommy, cult, like mommy wine culture is crazy. <laughs> it's insane. It's like out of control. And so like that's like so normalized, you know, and I'm like, of course, you're going to have like all those symptoms, you know, when you're going yeah. through that phase of life because it's like. Your liver's overloaded and your estrogen high. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You probably so haven't had a, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's pretty. And like, if you're already going through that, it's like, what's going on with your hormones before then? Cause yeah. it's everything yeah, it's, leading up. But like so you say, like the amount of women that come in to our program in their 40s and 50s and they experience those symptoms, they not only lose weight, build muscle, but they don't have any more symptoms. It's possible. Yeah. 
totally possible. Yeah. And like, you know, I think if you're listening to this, go, I've done some really good podcasts on perimenopause and menopause with Kate Deering. So go oh, cool. back if you're listening to this and you want to learn more. They're really, really great. Um, you know, and it's all the simple things that we talk about that we still do for the women in, that are in their 30s and their 20s. Yeah. You know, it's the same same stuff because I think it's just a, it just, it's a stress response. Like it's your body, it manifests itself in different ways when you're older. So like when you're younger, it's the cycle issues. When you're older, it's the hot flushes, it's the perimenopause. Mm-hmm menopausal symptoms but yeah it's totally you can change it you can totally change it yeah and it's I love that I'll have to listen to those and have those as like references for people because I get a lot of questions about that and I'm like it's not I know that there's people that specialize in perimenopause and menopause like in the like dietetics world and stuff like that I'm in but it's like you don't it I personally don't think that you have to do things that differently like I would not address that client too unless they didn't have a cycle anymore then obviously I'd look at their iron and stuff differently but like outside of that I'm like we still have to figure out the best way for you to eat and meet your nutrition needs your stress get you moving even if you've never strength trained in your life there's so many benefits to it especially for bone health like everyone's like worried about bone health when they're in menopause I'm like lift a weight I know know, like and and honestly it improves like you know having more muscle, they can eat more. Like we find, you know, the ones that want to lose weight, they get such better body composition results and they mm-hmm. strength train. And they're, you know, like we put them in a small deficit, but their deficit calories are higher. They can yeah. eat more and still lose weight, you know. It's just, yeah, and it's the same process that we follow for younger women. Mm-hmm. Works the same for the older women. It's just yeah. you know, symptoms are different, you know. But, yeah, get get the – I'll send you the links to the podcast. With yeah, you. those would be good. They're so good. Like we talk a lot about like specifically hot flushes and she addresses, you know, HRT and, you know, Kate, she's mm-hmm. old of knowledge and she's 50 as well. So she's – I that. did not know that. Yeah, she's 50. Yeah, we have the birthday. So I'm 42 and she's 50 and the same day. Oh, my God. Yeah. And when your birthday is this weekend? Friday. Yeah. Happy early birthday, kitty. Thanks That's exciting. I hope you enjoy your dinner with your friends. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to have, speaking of alcohol, I am going to have a few cocktails. They do these amazing pineapple margaritas there that I just spice, that I just love. So they have this beautiful seafood and so mm-hmm. I have cocktails and yeah, hopefully the weather's nice. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, I'll send you the links to those podcasts. They'd be great for anyone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add that we haven't covered about the copper IED? Um. I don't think so. I think like the biggest questions I get are like, does it make you copper toxic? And I think we covered that. Um, And then like, what does it actually impact your hormones? And yes, because of the way it impacts your liver and inflammation and your copper levels, it can impact your estrogen, even if like, you know, it doesn't directly do that. Uh, And I did do like a full deep dive podcast episode. If I had people submit questions for specific. Can you send me what I'll do is that? Because I'll put your Instagram handle in the show notes, but send me the link. To yeah, I'll send you the link for it. That as well. People can have a listen to that too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty much, I, I, I don't know, I think that was a good discussion around birth control in general and FAM and the copper IUD. And it can be hard to make choices around birth control. And even if it's just a season of you using a form that maybe isn't your favorite, I, I would just we don't have to be all or nothing just like with food lifestyle our habits and that stuff it doesn't have to be that way with birth control you can learn about a different option and consider it down the road um but yeah thanks for listening everyone thanks for having me thanks for tuning in and as always guys take a screenshot and share your 
uh, post on Instagram stories and tag us um, and share your biggest takeaways. Uh, yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to hear them. So thanks again, Amanda, and everyone. I'll pop the link to that podcast and her podcast and the uh, Instagram handle. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll probably get you again, get you on again soon to talk about another topic. That was great. Thanks for having me. Oh.